SM Training and Nutrition Podcast. So this week we're looking at diet culture, we're looking at the language that's being used, how that can influence us, we're looking at social media, again what impact that has in terms of how realistic we are being with ourselves and what we then perceive as normal, looking at slimming clubs and what role they play in the, the weight loss journey. Okay, so hope you enjoy this one, and here we go. I want to start this podcast by talking about something that might not come up all too often. So let me put this to you. So how many of you listening have memories of a parent, family member, or friend talking about going on a diet? You know, who remembers watching whoever it was trying to cook meals from this special diet cookbook? You know, the the diet culture still rages on. And in my opinion, it brings so much negativity with it. You know, as humans, we, we tend to do what we've learned or what we've seen. So another question could be, of those who of you are listening who are parents, have you ever said to yourself, I sound like my mum, my dad, my gran, you know, whoever um, it would be, you know, when speaking to your child. I can hold my hand up and say, yep, I sound like, you know, how I was spoken to when I was young. And I can imagine a lot of you would say the same thing, that you do start sounding like whoever brought you up. That's just, just the way things are. So then, if we've grown up hearing about people talking about how they need to lose fat because they're they're a bit on the the, the chubby side, or their clothes don't fit as well, that they're feeling a bit fat, or whatever it would be, whether we realise it or not, we are likely to continue the cycle with our kids, if we're not careful, if we're not mindful of what we're saying. So what's the harm in that, you know, you might think? So... Are you happy with how you feel and look right now? You know, if you lost a few pounds, would you feel happier? I, I would assume that would probably be a yes. I think we have coupled weight loss with the feeling of being happy. You know, if we're overweight, then we must be unhappy. Now, I'm not saying that if you're overweight you must be unhealthy. We should all be aware of the potential implications of being overweight or more specifically you know, carrying too much body fat and how that can then impact someone's health. But what we do and how we act right now can directly impact how any child views weight loss. Do you want your kids or your future kids to be worrying about their weight and how they look? So for me, in my opinion, we need to break this link. Happiness is not defined by weight loss, and weight loss doesn't always mean healthier either. So in our household, you know, we've got two kids, two young kids, three-year-old and eight-year-old. In our house, we've made the, the conscious decision to avoid terms 
that can have that negative connotation with it. You know, instead we use things like, you know, we're going to the gym to get stronger, we're being active to be healthier, we try not to talk about losing weight or any other diet type talk around the kids because it's not something we want them to kind of pick up and start using themselves. And we try and limit it ourselves as well. We try and put more of a, a positive spin on what we're trying to achieve rather than being like, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit, a bit chubby type thing. You know, I cook probably most of the meals in the house. Um, and I often ask the kids if they want to join in, you know, if they want to help me. I think getting them involved allows them to see this is the kind of norm and it can show them and, and allow them to develop these life skills. So if we are looking at eating healthier in later life, they, they, they kind of see what it's like to cook, how to cook, kind of meals they can cook. You know, they're not relying on ready meals or fast food. They've got the, the skill set that allows them to just, yeah, make home-cooked, nutritious meals. Being told that you have to finish your, your plate before you can leave the table or before you can have pudding... I'm sure we've all heard something similar to there's kids starving in the world and you're leaving food on the plate. You know, the kid might be full already, but then we're adding that guilt, that guilt to finish what's in front of them, in a way forcing them to potentially overeat. Now, granted, they are kids, you know, they might be at it. They may have had one bite of their, their food and they're like, nah, I don't want it anymore. But I think... It's something to be aware of, you know, it's that pushing to finish every single bit on the plate. You know, the mental issues that can come from constantly worrying about figures or what people will say or think, what clothes you can or cannot wear, can last a lifetime. And and remember, kids are the greatest imitators. So what they imitate is down to us, really. You know, what, what we show them, how we set them up, the language we use... So I just wanted to kind of touch on that before we get into the the diet culture because I think that still plays a a big part. So we can now kind of wander down the the social media road. In the world of social media, as many of, of you will know, people are shown at their best and you know, they hide their weaknesses. You know, it's always the the photo with a filter and, and the, the, the best lighting, the best angle. You know, it pushes the fact that you must can look a certain way to be accepted or to be liked. Now, this applies to, to adults as well as, as kids, because obviously kids can use social media as well. You know, we can all be guilty of seeing our favourite celebrity or sports person and wishing to look the way they do. You know, the feeling of not being good enough can fester and it can bring about a, a continual cycle of weight loss and weight gain. You lose weight, can't sustain the loss, gain weight, that overwhelming feeling of guilt then leads you to wishing to lose more weight again. Sometimes you'll be successful, sometimes you get partial success, sometimes you won't get any success. And it's just that constant cycle of thinking, I need to lose, I need to lose to be better, I need to lose to be liked, to fit in. You know, I'd love to have everyone feel comfortable in their own skin. Feel how they look is good enough. 
you know, ditch the excessive dieting, focus on nutritious food on a regular basis. Something I always kind of say is that when you go on something, you, you will come off at some point. Like, think of a bus, you know, you get on a bus, you, you get off a bus. It's the same for a diet, you, you go on it, you come off. Your diet is just the food you consume, so it simply describes what you eat. Now, I'm not saying you can't be mindful of your intake every so often, looking to make a difference in, you know, your body composition. It's more the language that's been used around dieting, and it's seen in that negative way. So, it's something that I think if we were to move forward and try and move away from this diet culture and this you need to lose weight or look a certain way for acceptance, we can maybe start thinking about the language that we use and be more positive with what we're saying. So let's move on to weight loss itself then. In particular, the big weekly weight loss that you often see or what you often seek in the likes of slimming clubs. Many of us these days want results fast. We want them yesterday. If you have a weight loss goal, you want to get there as fast as you can, right? And I'm pretty sure that will sound familiar to a lot of you listening. What if I told you then that in doing so, you're potentially making the situation worse? So let me explain. To achieve a loss, you need to be in a calorie deficit. This we know. To lose a pound of fat in a week, you need to create a deficit of around 3,500 calories, which equates to a 500 calorie deficit per day. Now let's say that pre-diet, you are consuming 2,000 calories per day on average. Okay, that's what you typically consume. Which I think for... Some of you listening, you're thinking, whoa, 2,000 calories, that's, that's a lot more than what I would consume. But hear me out. So 2,000 calories on average per day over a week would give you roughly 14,000 calories. Okay? You join a slimming club and you're very careful about what you eat and as a result, you lose four pounds. If we were to do the math, you would see that the four pound weight loss if that was to all come from fat, you would need to have been in a deficit of 14,000 calories. So eating 14,000 calories less than what you need. So that's because one pound of fat is 3,500 calories. You multiply that by four, gives you your 14,000. But maybe you've clicked already. If you were only consuming 14,000 calories per week before you started watching what you were consuming. Does that mean you eat nothing for a week? So if you consume 14,000, you need to be a deficit of 14,000? That doesn't sound right, does it? So you must be losing something else other than fat. If you're being really restrictive, you'll start to break down some muscle tissue and also lose some water. In any calorie deficit, you will lose fat and tissue, but the key is to maximise the fat loss 
and minimise the tissue loss. This, you know, the increased protein as well, and as well as exercise, can play a vital role. But we can talk about that uh, separately when we go into more of the macronutrients. But just as a, a side note, that the same rule applies for weight gain. If you're thinking, oh, I've put on two pounds after a week, it isn't all from fat unless you've overconsumed by approximately 7,000 calories. You know, there'll be some water weight in there, so you'll look at your hydration levels, how empty your bowels are, what time of day it is. There's many factors that can influence your scale weight at any given time. Okay, so try not to let yourself get too bogged down with with that, thinking and stressing about the big numbers added on or coming off, because that's not what we're, we're wanting to see, you know, so what can you do? You can create a, a smaller deficit, one that's less restrictive, one that you can still enjoy the food you like without that feeling of guilt. I'm very much a person that says nothing is off limits. You just need to make conscious decisions. So understand that if you were to eat five chocolate bars in a day, this will hamper you reaching your fat loss goals. It will take you further away from that. But if you want to do it, crack on. But it does impact what you're trying to achieve. Maybe think about using exercise more to create the deficit. You can only lower your calories so much before you are literally starving. Before you get that hangry mode on, you know. So if we can maybe keep the calories slightly higher and you can move slightly more, that's still going to bring you that deficit. You know, if you consume a bigger amount of calories, you are more likely to move around anyway. You'll have more energy because that's what calories are at the end of the day. If you restrict your intake, you will naturally slow down and not move as much. So then it comes to the, the kind of question, am I actually in a calorie deficit? I'm eating less, but I'm actually not really moving at all because I've not got the energy for it. I'm not then burning as much as I think I am. So you, what you think is a deficit potentially isn't there at all. You know, I strongly believe that everyone should be should be strength training, you know, weight training or any other kind of way you want to use to describe it. And, you know, it's not just about building huge muscles, being buff or, or looking good topless. Strength training can help improve your overall body compositions, you know, the, the ratio of fat to muscle, which then in turn can help improve health. It can help improve your functional ability, helping everyday tasks, climbing stairs, getting up out of a chair, carrying shopping bags, playing with the kids, you know, and so on. It can delay the need for additional support as you get older. Walking sticks, wheelchairs, carers, you know, so it's, it's a huge, a huge thing that's untapped by most you know, I think when people think of exercise, they think of pounding the treadmill for hours and hours. But you're, you're, there's potentially better benefits from doing the weight training in the long term, that longevity. 
you know, weight training can help improve posture. There's a big number of people that suffer from poor posture, you know, rounding of the shoulders, text neck, you know, and they can benefit from strength training. They can start to improve or strengthen the muscles that are weakened, which is then resulting in that poor posture. If we can strengthen those postural muscles, we can put ourselves into a better position, less strain on the body, because if we are out of sync, if you like, or in that poor posture, there's extra stress being placed on other muscles, there's potentially extra stress being placed on joints. So, exercise is great to get that additional calorie burn to try and get into that deficit, but definitely, definitely, if you're not doing it already, is to consider some form of weight training in your routine. I mean, let's face it, if it was all about building muscle, and it was easy to do that, we'd all get the physique of our dreams straight away. You know, we'd all be walking around like models. It takes it takes a bit of time. You know, you're not going to get bulky from it overnight. Nutrition plays a huge part of it as well. But there's other benefits from just getting getting jacked. Yeah, that takes time to get that, but we can still start working on the posture of the, the functional ability, just general strength in the short term. But getting back to the, the slimming club point, I've heard stories over the years where clubs have actively told people to stop exercising, or they've commented on the fact that they lift weights and that's the reason for them not losing, which is nonsense, it's crazy. You know, my opinion, this is an education issue. Not necessarily for the people attending these clubs, but for the ones running them. I think the people who attend, they put faith in the people running the clubs. They accept what they say. So if they can be educated on the benefits of exercise and how that impacts body composition, I think that would go a massive way in helping to improve the thought process around exercise and weight training. You know, people who attend these clubs, they do so to feel better about themselves, looking better and, and drop a few pounds and inches. And can strength training help do this? Yes. Should it be discouraged? Absolutely not. The issue is scale weight. Can you lose fat and not lose weight? Yes. You know, you've probably heard the, before that muscle weighs heavier than fat. You know, what weighs heavier, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? They both weigh the same. A kilo of muscle is the same as a kilo of fat. The difference is volume. Muscle is more dense than fat. So picture this. Draw a circle. This circle represents a kilo of fat in the space that it takes up. Now divide this circle into quarters. Each quarter represents a kilo of muscle. And each quarter represents the space that, that muscle takes up. So one person could be the full circle and you know, one could be the, the person that's divided into quarters. There would be no change to appearance as it takes up the same space. The difference would be the person with more muscle would weigh heavier. 
And so it's not that muscle weighs heavier, it's that it takes up less space. This is the, an issue then with slimming clubs. If you don't lose, you're made to feel guilty. People are even rewarded for losing the most. You know, getting up in a room full of strangers to weigh yourself, to then be made to feel inadequate, will, will mess with your head. Absolutely, you'll dread going there or you'll just do things through the week that will mean that you'll definitely get a loss, but is it healthy? Physically and mentally? Probably not. You know? Forget the mental effects for a second and look at the physical. I mean, if you were to have a relatively restrictive diet and, and manage to lose big numbers week upon week, there will come a point where it just isn't sustainable anymore. What what do you do? You eat more calories that you more than what you're used to, maybe binge eat, you fall off the wagon and at that point you decide, oh well, I've ruined it now. And, you know, these are the periods then that have a period of overeating. You know, you, you just start snacking on everything. You do it for a week, then a month, then it's two months, and it keeps going, and then you're back to where you started, or worse off. You may be overeating so much that you've gained additional body fat. Whereas before, when you lost, you lost tissue and fat, but you may have lost a bit more tissue because you're so restrictive. So overall, your body composition in this new phase is worse off than what it was before because you've now got a bigger ratio in favour of fat. Yeah, so you're more likely you've increased your fat stores and keeping that lower muscle percentage. You know, imagine having a higher body fat percentage after dieting. That sounds bonkers, right? There, there's something not right to that. So if you're someone who's eating low calories right now and is afraid of, of gaining, you know, if you were to eat more, it will happen, I'm sorry to say. Just like being in a deficit, if you're in a surplus, you'll gain fat as well as some muscle tissue if there's a stimulus for this, which is strength training. You want to keep the fat gain to a minimum and maximise the tissue gain. So here's what you can do. You can slowly increase your calories, maybe 50 to 100 calories each week or two weeks and see how that feels and then repeat the process until you're at that calorie number that you would like to be at. The body will get used to the increased energy coming in and it will level out in terms of loss and gain. You know, it will get accustomed to this, this higher number coming in. If you were to jump from very low to moderate or a lot higher than what you are already consuming, then that will be classed as, as overeating. The body's kind of, it's not starvation mode or anything like that. You know, think of it like economy mode. Things slow down just to to accommodate this this lower energy number coming in. You know, different processes aren't working as as well as what they could do. We're not working optimally because we don't have the energy for that. Okay, so if we then started firing in additional calories, it's like, whoa, 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 you know, it goes into hyperdrive. Yeah, we want to slowly increase that number up. Okay. The nutrition pyramid is something that you can look to use as a guide. 
you know, if we think of a pyramid, it has a, a very wide base and then it comes up to a narrow peak. The base supports everything above. The next level then supports everything above that and so on. The base, the things that need to be in place for everything else to be built around is calories in versus calories out. This is the crux of the matter and it will dictate how well you reach your goal. You can use an online calculator as a guide to find out how many calories you should be consuming. If you're between levels, I would go for the lower amount to start with and then adjust higher depending on what is happening. It's important to note that the numbers you get aren't gospel, they're just a rough estimate. Keep track of how you feel, what the scales say, energy levels, mood levels, watch out for that hangriness coming in. You know what, if you are looking to be in deficit, you will have the feeling of being hungry. It's something that we can't kind of escape. If you are supplying the body with less calories than what it currently needs, then the body's naturally going to want that increased food. Where the hunger scale is something I've used also with clients. It's a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being starving and 10 being uncomfortably full. You're bursting. You're feeling sick. You know, if you can be anywhere between a 4, which is starting to feel hungry, and 7, feeling slightly uncomfortable from food, then you can help keep the hunger pangs at bay. Yeah. So after we've got the base level, calories in versus calories out, Next up is macronutrients, so that's protein, carbs and fat, the three big ones. I would also say in this we include the unofficial fourth macronutrient, which is water, so hydration levels. You know, eat X amount of protein per day, um, you're eating too many carbohydrates, you've probably heard this before. All these don't really matter a great deal unless you've got your calorie in versus calorie out squared away. You know, you can eat X amount of protein and be over-consuming calories. And this leads to, again, you can be eating carbohydrates and still be in a deficit, which leads to a loss. You know, if you get these first two levels sorted, you can then move on to the third level, which would be micronutrients, so vitamins and minerals. Plenty of fresh fruit and veg in the diet. You eat the rainbow, as they say. You know and ideally these would be from whole foods rather than supplement form, which we'll get on to in a second. Next up then, we're looking at nutrient timing. This is where you look at when you consume these foods. You might have heard the likes of, don't eat carbs after 8 at night. If you're not hitting your calorie target, the whole pyramid falls down. So eat the food. That's what I'm saying. Eat it. You've got permission to eat it. Your body doesn't treat food differently at one minute past eight compared to 7.59. Calories in versus calories out comes first. Make sure we hit that and then we can look at, at nutrient timing. Nutrient timing is fourth on the list if you like. Last up then is supplements and this is where people have the tendency to reverse the pyramid. People start with shakes and pills to help get them moving in the right direction. It's a quick fix to a long-term problem. You will lose if you replace your meals with shakes. Why? The shakes will have a much lower caloric value compared to the foods you normally consume. 
This then ticks that box of the base level, calories in versus calories out. If they both do the same thing, then what's the difference? Why not just do it that way with the shakes and the pills? Well, you want to learn about foods, don't you? You want to create better habits. You want to understand meal sizes, ingredients you need to include, the preparation of, of, of meals and so on. Shakes won't do this. If you want to stop using the shakes, you'll be back to square one, unless you understand what I've just mentioned. So supplements shouldn't be your first port of call. A supplement, by definition, is something that enhances or adds to what is already there. In this case, it will enhance your, your current diet. It's an add-on. If you still buy a, a newspaper, you might appreciate this one. But if you get a Sunday newspaper, there's often a magazine in it. This is your supplement. It improves the newspaper. If the magazine was sold separately, then it's just a regular magazine. If your diet isn't in the right place, the first three levels aren't there, so calories in versus calories out, your macronutrients, so protein, fats and carbs, and then micronutrients, looking at fruit and veg, a supplement isn't going to do much for you apart from lower your bank balance. That's all it's going to do. So key points to take away from this episode would be be mindful of the language used in relation to dieting, you know, especially if we're talking around children. Social media isn't the real story. Avoid over-restrictions and use exercise as a way of creating a calorie deficit. Focus less on scale weight. Use measurements or just even how clothes fit. And include strength training in your weekly routine. That brings us to the end of this week's podcast then. I really do hope that you have enjoyed listening to that. You've taken some things away from it. You may be starting to challenge your own way of thinking, your own perceptions on what it is and what it takes to realistically achieve weight loss and keep it off long term. But as always, I'd love to hear the feedback so if there's any questions or queries from what's been discussed or if you just want that little bit more information then I'm, I'm always more than happy to help just reach out social media or drop me an email but thanks for listening and have a good week